Welcome to ROH Strong Podcast. Here is your host, Kevin Eck. What's up, Honor Nation? Welcome to episode 49 of the ROH Strong Podcast, the official podcast of Ring of Honor Wrestling. Now, my guest today has been honing his craft in the ROH dojo, and he made his ROH debut last month. He's big. He's bad. He's the big, bad kaiju, O'Shea Edwards. O'Shea, welcome to the show. O'Shea Edwards. O'Shea Edwards. Yeah. O'Shea Edwards. What's going on, man? Thanks for having me. Great to meet the whole country. Yeah, man, it's great to have you on. Uh, I got to ask you first off, though. I mean, I, I know what big means and I know what bad means, okay? But I was unfamiliar with the word kaiju, so I looked it up. I looked it up. It means strange beast. And yeah. it's uh, a genre of Japanese films featuring giant monsters such as Godzilla. Are, are you a fan of, of those, those types of movies? Man, it's, it's, it's like my little vice, man. It's one of those, if I can be by myself a little bit, I'm kind of hanging out. I'm like, oh, man, is that Pacific Rim? Well, I know what I'm doing in two hours. You know, <laughs> um, I, en- I enjoy those, those type of movies where really your, your city is the battleground. And everyone else is basically just kind of like along for the ride and collateral damage and, and, and sort of in, in, in a sense, man. So like growing up, my dad really got me into them. Um, as I watch the older ones now, I'm like, man, these are campy. But um, <laughs> and maybe because I'm just lazy and now I'm spoiled because, I, you know, I'm a sucker for, you know, CGI and all that good stuff, you know. So I can appreciate the, you know what Godzilla came from, but now I'm like, oh man, like this has got so much better. And I, I love those big type of, in my mind, like um, boss fights. Those are giant boss fights and I'm all in for Yeah, see, I was going to ask you how, you how you felt about the old school movies from the 50s and 60s with Godzilla and Mothra, because I grew up watching those too. And right. I got to be honest with you, there is a certain charm. I think you mentioned campy. They're definitely campy, but there's a certain charm yeah. So those movies and seeing the, you know, it's actors in monster suits, basically. Um, like, I don't know, CGI just loses something for me as far as, yeah you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I do. And here's the thing, like, it's like most of those movies, you know, they, they will always have like a place in, in history and a place in cinema because you don't get like, you know, Kong versus Godzilla without that type of stuff. You know, like there's there's no way we get to where we are today, like with without it. Um, you know, so there's always going to be uh, an like if it comes on TV, like I'm going to sit and watch. Yeah, I may make fun of it because it's funny, but like I do still appreciate, you know, what the story's being told and and where it came from because, like I said, with without it, you know, you can't appreciate your present and your future without honoring the past in, in a sense. So anytime I get a chance to sit down and watch them, like, especially with my dad, like, we'll sit down and watch them, and I'll just make fun of it. I'm like, Dad, like, why did he close on them? What are we doing? 
<laughs> and of course, she's like, if you don't shut up and just watch this movie, I'm like, my bad, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm taking a point right now. <laughs> do you remember Ultraman? Did you watch that as a kid? I do. I love, like, honestly, more than I love Godzilla, I Me love too. Ultraman. Like that was, I don't know what it was. I just, anytime it came on TV, I'm like, well, I'm going to watch this. And then of course, you know, once the anime started coming out, I was like, well, I guess I'm watching this too. Um, so that type of stuff. I, I really got into it because it was a, it was a, uh, it was a different level, you know, I, in my mind, it was a, it was a, it was a, it was an upgrade from what I was used to watching. So anytime like Ultraman came on TV, I'm like, yeah, this is going to be good. Ultraman was such a bizarre show because it was, it was like this, it was, it was uh, a Japanese, uh, it was of Japanese origin. You would have this, this like normal looking Japanese dude who would like somehow, I can't remember how he did it. He would like hold like something up to the sky or something like that. Right. And, and he, he would just mark the life. Boom. Yeah, there he yeah, was. He would transform into this giant, like metallic, Ultraman who would fight like these giant Godzilla like monsters. I mean, it was just, it, it was insane. And talk about campy. It was campy. That was very campy. That was very campy. I love but, that. But, but I think because of the campiness is the reason why we liked it so much. No question. Like, this, is, this is really hokey, but I'm <laughs> so into this right now. Like, I don't care. Like, I'm, I'm so here. So, stuff like that, man. Like, it's really, um, like I said, I, I the fact that like I you know Netflix now and the, you know we've all become like I said we all come spoiled so like now it's there so anytime I, anytime I want to relive like my childhood or anything I'm like oh man I got a few hours to kill you know I'm in the orange bubble right now so it's like well guess what I'm about to do go <laughs> watch an Ultraman for a few hours <laughs> <laughs> well I got I want to talk to you about the bubble but man I got one, one more Ultraman uh, comment has, yeah. how has Ultraman not had a had a reboot or has it and I just missed it um I. I think like maybe like the early '90s or early 2000s. Like I would, so I'm pretty sure someone's gonna fact check. Um, I believe that they did. Um, okay. I know there's there's been an anime out about it, and that's where I kind of where I started rewatching it again, like becoming a kid again. But mm-hmm. man, I would love like a up to date remake. Yeah, you'll get my 20 bucks in a heartbeat. Oh, mine too. But I tell you what, I want to see somebody go old school with it. Don't CGI Ultraman. I want to see some dude. <laughs> In a in an Ultraman suit that's supposed to be like metallic, but when he fights, you can see it kind of bend. And it's not really metal. Like that's what I want. like. Give me that Ultraman. You want you want the old indie Ultraman. You don't want the you don't want the professional indie man. You want the indie indie Ultraman. That's I right. I want indie Ultraman. Absolutely. All right. Well, you mentioned that uh, the bubble, and I, I that was going to be my next question because I know you are literally coming to us today from inside the bubble. Yes. So, uh, and I know you've been in the bubble before. Mm-hmm. I've asked everybody that's been on the show what their experience is like in the bubble. Everybody's had a different answer. Uh, like I said, you know, some people enjoy the solitude. Um, other people said it's like being in jail and they can't wait till it's over. <laughs> what, what, what's your take on the bubble? You know, those who said like it's like being in jail, I'm probably like, have you ever been in jail? Like, <laughs> have you ever been in jail? Like, this is a really nice jail, right? <laughs> right, yeah, really nice jail. Like club, club fed. Like, uh, but no, um, actually, um, because you know, during the week, I'm very busy. You know, um, I'm always on the move. I'm always, you know, if I'm not training, I'm in the gym. Gym, I'm, I'm, I'm on on phone calls somewhere, doing this, that, and the other. So, like the fact that, like, you know, today's Monday. Like yesterday, I was able like to sleep in till like nine o'clock. 
was such a big deal because I haven't been able to sleep in until nine o'clock in such a long time. So I'm like, oh man, this is great. Get to cuddle, catch up some sleep. And oh, man, I get to watch Sports Center. No one's going to bother me. Yeah, sure. You know, so, but I know it's not going to last forever. So, like, you know, I take the time that I can to relax and just kind of like, you know, um, like do some real like self reflection on myself, but knowing that like in a, in a few days or in a few hours, I'm going to have to go bust somebody's head in. So I'm like, all right, cool. Like, let's go. Ahead. It's a calm before the storm for me. Right. Right. That's a good way to look at it. Um, we mentioned in the introduction that you made your ROH debut last month, and it was against another powerhouse from the dojo, Sledge. And yes. you guys battled to a, it was, man, hard-hitting, intense 10-minute draw. And yes. so I'm going to drop some breaking news on the people out there, ROH Strong breaking news, that the rematch between yourself and Sledge is going to take place on ROH week by week, a week from Tuesday, next week. So that'll be oh Tuesday, March the 30th, the rematch. Yeah. It was honestly, man, that was a really request. Like most people want when I make my debut, man, my phone just went bananas. It's one of the few times I'm like, oh, man, I got to turn this thing off. This is going to be too bad. Um, and he was like, we got to have a rematch. Like, you guys have to have a rematch. You guys have to have a rematch. You guys have to have a rematch. And I'm like, yeah, man, I'm always down to fight somebody. <laughs> I'm always down for a fight. Um, and the fact that it went to, like, you know, a time limit draw, it, it left a lot of things unchecked, left a lot of things unsaid. Um, and there's, I'd say there's all, there's always more meat on that bone. So, you know, the fact that we get that rematch, I'm just like, oh man, you guys don't know what you guys started now. This is going to be a thing. Well, you said that there were some things left unsaid. Actually, there were some things said, okay? Because we had had Sledge on the show (laughs) last month and, uh, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, stir the pot. Oh, no. Like no, 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 no. But, uh, you know, I asked Sledge what were his impressions of the match, and he said, you know, ultimately it didn't feel good because O'Shea was still standing at the end. And he said that he knows he'd be seeing you again in the ring at some point, and that next time, and this is a direct quote, I wrote this down to make sure I got it right. He said, next time he will put you on your ass. So I have to ask you, what is your response to that? That's just that's just adorable. Uh, look, man, I I've had I've had worse said to me by better men. You know, it's it, talk is cheap. It's why everyone does it because everyone can afford to. But that bell's got to ring. And unfortunately, you know, the first time the bell rang, he didn't get the job done. Guys like Sledge, in his mind, they're supposed to be guys like me, but he didn't do it. So ultimately, it comes down to what does that say about him? This is my debut, you know. So it's just like, yeah, man, you came out to get hard, say, oh, I'm gonna beat him. I, I, you know, I've conquered these demons and this, that, and the other. And I'm like, yeah, well, I'm still standing. So what does that say about you? Me, it, I'm supposed to be here, man. I, 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 I spoke this into existence years ago before I even knew Sledge even existed. So I'm like, what is he? What is he going to do to me that I haven't already done to myself? Nothing. Was he going to beat me? Okay, I like to see him try. You gave him ten minutes and he couldn't do it. So, <laughs> what you gonna do? Give him fifteen? Go for it. Give him fifteen. Let's, let's see. If he, let's see. If five extra minutes is the difference. I'll tell you right now. I bet. I'll bet my next paycheck today. Well, I can't wait to see it. I'll tell you. Um, 
it's interesting because this was really your first, I mean, you guys have been on Future of Honor shows and things like mm -hmm. that. Obviously, you've both been on The Independence. This was your first time really under the bright lights of a Ring of Honor match that was shown to a, to a wide audience. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think it's cool, though, because, like, we didn't put you in there against, let's say, a lesser opponent to get you a, you know, uh, a marquee win or a sledge to do that. That's kind of, a lot of times we see that's how new wrestlers are introduced. Mm -hmm. We put two guys coming out of the dojo that are hungry and that look like they have break and we'll put them against each other right from the start. So, I mean, yeah, I, I love that idea of putting you guys right against each other. And, you know, it was to me, no surprise that it ended up in a draw. Cause I think you guys are very evenly matched and not just in your physical skills and, and your, your, your makeup, but I think in, um, in your desire, like, Mm -hmm. I think you guys both are so hungry and want this so bad and you got to go through each other to get it. I mean, that, that's a great story in and of itself. Right. And, and stuff like that, you know, it's the, the whole adage of like what outcome coming off is, you know, too corny, but iron does sharpen iron. Yeah. Um, people, it's, if people want to claim to be the best. And then the first words in my mouth is like, all right, well prove it, you know, go out there and prove it anybody can claim to want to be the best it's a whole other story when you got to go do it um the, that bell's got a ring man <laughs> the bell's got a ring and then we're going to find out because it's not talking crap if you can back it up it's just you telling the world what like you know hey man i said i was going to do this and i did it this isn't me talking crap this is me making a, making a statement of what i'm going to do um and i i i've always wanted to wrestle people who consider themselves the best no matter what their discipline i've always wanted to wrestle and i always want to fight people who say they were the best one because i want to see if i can hang with the so quote unquote best and at that same, that same breath if you call yourself the best i want to find out i want to find out if you're the best you say you're the best cool let's find out because i'm going i'm going i'm going to test you i'm going I'm to see i want to push you to the point that either you're going to break or you know you are going to overcome We'll see what happens first. You and Sledge both mentioned in the sit-down interviews that you did before the match that uh, there was really no animosity going into the match. There's, you know, there's a respect for each other, maybe even on some level a, a friendship because you guys trained together. But was there a natural sort of uh, rivalry or competition because – you guys are, again, very similar in a sense of um, guys who are a little bit older, maybe than some of the other guys in the dojo, and uh, different, different paths taken uh, to get to where you are. Was there kind of a natural rivalry right away where you look at Sledge and he looks at you and you're like, okay, this is going to be my rival? Of course. It, it was, and it wasn't anything. Like I said, this is, this is business. I, I, I don't let my personal life affect my business because that's not good for business. And if it's not good for business, man, I don't do it. You know, the whole deal of if it, you know, if it doesn't make dollars, it don't make sense. Right. So, um, you know, there was always going to be a natural um, rivalry there. Let it be, you know, friendly. Let it be a friendly competition. And there, is, there will always be a little bit of respect there, even if it comes begrudgingly. Like, there's always going to be respect there because you, I train with the guy, you right. know. So. It, you see, you see guys at their highest highs at the dojo. You see guys at their lowest lows at the dojo. It's welcome to the Ring of Honor dojo. This is what it is, man. You know, it's, it's whatever. 
So there's always going to be that type of thing. Now, does that mean we're all going out having dinner later? No. <laughs> Once I leave that dojo, I go home. <laughs> I go home. I recover. I, you know, recoup. I review because I know tomorrow I'm going to get right back at it again. I'm trying to get better. Um, the fact that me and Sledge were actually going to meet up, man, I, that was more of just a matter of when, not an if. Wow. And the fact of the matter is Sledge is in my way. I don't expect him to move out of my way, which is perfectly fine. I will move him, you know, I will move him. Simple as that. I don't go around people. No, I just go through people. It's what they pay me for. It's why I'm here. I I didn't pack up everything and literally go all in just to um, circumvent the uh, the plan. No, the plan is the plan. And I, you know, I trust my process. My process has worked. My process has gotten far. And I refuse to let Sledge think that he's anything but just exactly what he is to me. And that's an obstacle. I don't like saying I don't go around obstacles. I go through. So simply, simple as that. Well, exactly. And, and there's something very real, I think, about this. Like I said, there is a competition there, um, you know, competing for spots on the card and everything else like that. That's a that's a real that's a real life thing. So and we're going to watch it play out, I'm sure. Uh, we got match number two coming up. Like I said, it's going to be on week by week, Tuesday, March 30th. And uh, man, something tells me that that's not going to be the last last match either. Wow. I think we might be seeing you guys battle each other <laughs> for years. To yeah, come. yeah, I'm pretty sure this is this is the whole thing over death and fight forever. Fight yeah. Well, we're going to talk about uh, your journey in depth, obviously, um, a little bit later. But um, and needless to say, you've taken the road less traveled uh, to get to where you are. But I want to ask you, what were your thoughts right before you went through the curtain for that match against Sledge? Because I know that's a moment that you've been working towards, you've been grinding and hustling to get there, and then it arrives. So what was going through your mind? Were you nervous? Was it a good nervous? Like, just what was the thought process? <laughs> it, it, it was a good nervous. Like, I, it, very, very, very rarely do I get that butterfly in the stomach feeling. Um, but I, I felt it. <clears throat> And so as soon as I walked out, people actually, hey, what are you thinking? And I tell people all the time, like the first thought I'm like, hey, don't fall. I'm like, brother, don't fall. Don't fall. You, you're going to be on TV, my guy. Don't fall. Please don't let this be the first thing people see is you tripping and falling over yourself down these steps. Like, don't fall, don't fall, don't fall. Um, the only reason why I could think about not falling is because I knew that I belonged here. Um, there was not a doubt in my mind that this is where I wanted to be. There was no, there was never a moment where I wavered like, man, is this really what I want to do? Like, no, man, you have busted. You're behind to get here. You have done a lot. Like you said, taking the road less traveled, and you've proven a lot of people wrong to get here. And now all you've ever wanted was the opportunity. So here it is. Go get it. Go show them exactly what you already know. Um, once I had that type of conviction, at that point, it was like, okay, now just don't fall. <laughs> just don't fall. Don't, don't trip on these steps. Because <laughs> once, because if my biggest worry is don't trip on the steps, man, I'm going to be okay. Yeah. I'm going to be, I'm going to be, I'm going to be quite all right. Um, once the music hit, man, it was surreal. Just because it was like, yo, that's yours. That's for you. You know, this moment isn't built for anybody else, but you so go get it like go take your place you know go get your seat at the table as i like to say you know and 
yeah, once once I got there and that bell rang, man, it's like taking your first nap of college football. It's like, <laughs> I got this. <laughs> this, this, ain't, this ain't nothing. Another odd thing, though, is that you come out and, uh, you know, you've waited for this big moment, and um, there's no cheering fans. There's no fans. Was that something else? Was that um, an adjustment that you had to make to, to go out and – I mean, obviously, you're hyped up for the match. It's it's, it's right, right. You, but the fact that there's no energy of the crowd to play off of was that something right. that was strange? No, um, because I my first match was going to be for me. Um, my my first match was that's that's my moment. You know, that's one of the things that like thirty, forty years from now, I could sit down and like man, let me tell you about my first match and how it made me feel. Um. The fact that there was no crowd didn't really mean much because even if there was a crowd, it, it, it would have really turned into, hey, man, this is about me right now. This is for me. I'm just allowing you to come for the ride. Um, you know, so cheer me, boo me, don't care. <laughs> this, is, this is so not about you guys right now. This is all me. This is what I worked for, and I'm starting to see the fruits of my labor start to manifest themselves. So, you know, if you're here, great. If you ain't, I don't care. Um, but the world's going to see this, and I can't wait to show you know what what I can do. Well, Matt, I got to ask you about that mask. Like, where where'd you get that badass mask? <laughs> man, some secrets, man, just got to stay secret. Um, <laughs> no, I've I've been asked about it a number of times. Um, and and a lot of people ask, you know, what what is that from? What does that represent? Um, and and not to get like too, you know, too deep into it. Um, it's like, even I said like. Or like I, I know who my I know what my demons are. Like I know what my demons are. I've accepted my demons because they make me who I am, and I've accepted them so much that I'm I'm willing to show them to the world. Like no, this is it. This this is this is me. It's, it's not that big a deal. Everything about everything that I wear has a significance to me, from the mask to the beads to all of it. You know, um, because it it, it means something on a personal level to me, and you should be honored that I'm actually, sh you know, sharing it with you, you know? So the, the mask is a, uh, you know, is a, is a custom Japanese mask, you know, um, for me, it signifies, you know, my guardian demon, if you will, you know, um, with the whole thing, the whole saying of, I would rather be a warrior in a garden than a gardener on a battlefield type deal, you know, um, the, the, it brings me peace because, you know, if you, if you want peace, there has to be violence. And sometimes, you know, people want to say like war begets war, but like not, not for where I'm standing. You want, you want peace that you have to beat your opposition to such a, such a point where they don't want to fight anymore. Once you've done that, where they don't want to fight anymore, then there's peace. Cause I never want to fight in the first place. Like you did this. So, for me, is those beads, you know, they bring that level of peace of where I'm coming from. But when I take them off, all right, cool. I can't put these back on, so I'm finishing what I'm doing. Then I can go back to my peace again. So, you know, it's it's a level of nuance that most people don't see. But when that stuff comes off, yeah, man, somebody's in for like a beating of a lifetime because that's what I have. To do. Well, I believe it. I, 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 I certainly, you're very believable as far as that beating of a lifetime thing goes. Uh, I, I got to be honest. I mean, I, you know, obviously I wouldn't want to mess with you or Sledge. So, but I, I sure have a good time watching the two of you. 
Uh, and that mask, I got to say, too, the first thing I thought of when I saw that mask was reminds me a little bit of something the great Kabuki used to wear back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I get that a lot. Um, you know, I do. I do have a, a real good Japanese influence. It's not even so, so much in wrestling, but just in my life in general. Um, I was able to go out there for a few weeks and spend some time um, prior to wrestling. And I'm not going to lie, that, was, that single-handedly changed my entire outlook on life and how I handle things and how I take pride in what I do and how, you know, um, everything I do means something even if I don't see it right away. Um, and I wanted to bring that forward. And I wanted to, like I said, share that with the, with the rest of the world of this is who I am. This is how I feel. This is how I operate within my daily life and, and out of the ring. Um, and I'm just kind of fortunate enough that it, you know, people like it. <laughs> so, so you went to Japan, but not for wrestling? You spent time there? Yeah. Yeah, I just honestly, it was, since I, since I was a little kid, I've always had like this draw to Japan, and I, I never could really explain it. Um, I got the opportunity to kind of like save up some money, and I just went. Um, I just went for like almost three weeks and just lost myself in, in all of it, and just the culture, the people, and you know, travel the country within, you know, within the realm of that I could, and I, I don't share a lot of people, but I was like, the last night that I was there, like I sat in my hotel room, and I like, I openly wept. And People are like, why'd you cry? I'm like, I didn't want to come back. Like, I wanted to stay there forever. Like, wow. that's how much a country that I've never been to before meant that much to me. Um, and I couldn't explain it. I just remember sitting there, staring over the city, and just, just wet. Um, not ashamed of it, you know. I'm like, I dare you go and not do the same. Like, it's a beautiful place to be. Um, and I want to go back. I'm going to go back. You know, wrestling or not, I'm going to go back. Um. Because uh, I, 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 I always say I left a piece of my heart there. And I'm like, I'm going to go, I'm going to want that back. So pretty much got to go there and go get it. Um, yeah, I could see you making a big impact there as, as a wrestler. I mean, I, you know, the Japanese, yeah. traditionally, they, they love the big, bad, uh, badass American wrestlers. Yeah, and that was, that was actually what, that's one of my, that's one of my career life goals in Japan in some, in some capacity. So usually when I set my, my mind to a goal, I'm going to go achieve it. You know, um, I wanted to wrestle. I, you know, I found a way to go do it. I wanted to, you know, break out of the South. So I found a way to do it. I went to work Ring of Honor. I found a way to do it. And I'm going to go wrestle in Japan. Just, I just got to find a way to go do it. Yeah. Well, I'm not betting against you. That's for, that's for damn sure. <laughs> All right. Well, we're gonna, that's a good place to take our first break. We're just getting started here. We've got a lot more to talk about. So we will be back with O'Shea Edwards, the Big Bad Kaiju, right after this. This is the prestigious one, Joe Hendry, here to tell you about ShopHonor.com. That's the new location to go to for all things Ring of Honor merchandise. We've got an amazing selection with the prestigious Ring of Honor logos, but also we've got merchandise for all your favorite Ring of Honor stars. So go support the company, go support your favorite wrestlers, ShopHonor.com. I'll see you there. Hey, Honor Nation. 
Check out the new and improved Ring of Honor shop at shophonor.com. Shophonor.com turns ordinary online shopping into a truly immersive experience. Our new mobile-friendly design is enhanced for better navigation and search. The recommended for you feature will showcase products based on your unique preferences or find exactly what you want as you filter any category by your favorite wrestler, size, or color. Go to shophonor.com now. All right, we are back on the ROH Strong Podcast. My guest is the big bad Kaiju O'Shea Edwards. Uh, I, I want to tell your your journey and, and uh, you know, really the path you took to get into this business. But first mm -hmm. off, I want to ask you about your decision to come out as bisexual last year. Mm -hmm. uh, how long had you been, no pun intended, wrestling with that decision? And <laughs> I know it's a bad pun. I love I, it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Why did you decide that that was the right time to do it? Sure. Um, before I wrestled, I was a fireman for 15 years. Um, the last uh, the last four or five years, that's when I really started getting into it. Um, I, I knew since I was like 18, 19 years old. Um, I just never really knew how to um, express it at the time. You know, it, it's 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 such a it's such a revelation you really don't know like how to really like you know get a grip on it and especially like who to really talk to um and i joined the fire department at like 2021 20, years old and and i tell people all the time like the fire department is a real type a personality place um like if you're easily offended if you if you wear your emotions on your sleeve that's great hey man don't don't come to a fire you, you're going to get checked as soon as you walk in the door. And it's not so much one of those things where it's like, you know, there's a bunch of Neanderthals running around. It's just, you know, these men and women deal with the weight of the world constantly. Um, like my schedule was 24 hours on, 48 hours off. Wow. 7 a.m. to 7 a.m. I was off for the next two days, and then I would have to do it again. Um, most people know that if you're public safety, if you're a public servant, you're not getting paid a lot of money to begin with. Um, so a lot of us worked second jobs. Um, I worked at another fire department, so I worked 24 hours at one department. I would wake up, go to another department, work another 24 hours, come home for 24 hours, and then literally come back and do it again. That was my life. Um, and then you sprinkle wrestling on top of that, you can see how it's busy constantly busy. um but for the fire department it was one of those things of where uh at the time i was trying to build a career i was trying to you know set myself up for the future i never felt as if this was the right it was never felt as if the right time for me to kind of come out and hey man this is who i am and not have people looking different um because we had a few firemen at the time who were out and I saw how they were treated. And I I didn't like it. I was like, uh what? Like, no, this isn't this I can't do this right now. And I kept it to myself. And it's one of the things that one of the few things I wish I would have done different. I wish I would have came out sooner. But at the same time, I was young and impressionable. And, you know, I didn't I, I didn't wanna I wasn't willing to Hey man, do you want to potentially like sacrifice everything that you're building right now to do this? Sure. When I was when I was like in my early twenties, I wasn't. I just, I just wasn't. 
Um, now, I do say the people who needed to know knew. And those are people who were important to me. You know, they knew. And they were always like, hey, man, you know, whenever you're ready, I will always have your back. And I appreciate it. But at the time, it just wasn't, for me, it just wasn't the right time. It wasn't until I left the fire department. And it wasn't until I really started to develop who I am in wrestling where I felt that, like, I could finally have the the courage to, like, you know, come out and, like, live my truth. And I'm not going to lie, I was afraid. I was so afraid. Um, because it's the, you get dumped into the, the, the I call it the, you know, the fear of the unknown is strong, man. It's, it'll, it'll, it'll heat you up. But I, I guess after a while, I didn't care anymore. Because I'm like, what, what's the worst anyone's going to do to me that I haven't already done to myself? Right. Nothing. No, no, you can't touch me. Like, what are you going to do to me? Like, what it, how is it that me living my own life, my own truth, affects you in any certain way? Because you may not agree with it, which is fine. You don't have to agree with it, but why is it a problem? I'm not hurting anybody, you know? Um, but since then, it has been such a relief, and it has been such a, a, a welcoming of like, hey, man, congratulations. You know, we're so proud of you. Um, and wrestling gave me that type of um, that type of freedom. Wrestling gave me that type of acceptance in a world at the time that I didn't think would ever accept. Um, and it was, it felt good to be like still be around my my peers and you know people who I looked up to and all that good. And then people who actually looked up to me, and they never looked at me different. It was still like, no man, that's just. This is O'Shea. What's the problem? And ever since then, I'm like, man, yeah. And ever since then, I'm like, oh man, this is great. This is this is fantastic. And so I, I, I'm really, I'm really blessed with what I've been given, and I'm really blessed about what you know wrestling has given me because I tell people about wrestling doesn't owe me anything, but the fact that it gave me that opportunity, yeah, man, I'm forever in debt. Well, I was. You answered my next question, which was going to be, what was the reaction from? Uh you know, your community and your peers, and you said it's been right. overwhelmingly positive. Was, I'm just curious, was there any, did you hear any negative comments or was there any negative? Uh, at all? If there is negative comments, they haven't said it to my face. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, if there's, and if there's any negative comments, they haven't said it in a, in a circle that intertwines with my circle. Um, and which is fine. Like people want to think what they want to think. It's not my place. It's definitely not my job to try to change minds. You know, most people think how they want to. And that's just, that's fine by them. You know, if anything, it, it speaks more of you than it does of me. Um, so, you know, more often than not, you know, it's every, everybody's cool with it. You know, um, at the same time, it, I tell people, it doesn't change who I am. It doesn't change what I've done. It doesn't, it doesn't you know, diminish my accomplishments. Um, I'm a very good professional wrestler. I just so happen to be out. What's the problem? Yeah. And, and, and yeah. And it's, I'm sorry to interrupt, but yeah, it, it's no, awesome that we've gotten to a point where, I mean, obviously it's a, I don't want to minimize it. It's a big deal for you to do it. Cause obviously it took a lot of courage for you to get to that point where you felt comfortable, but it's mm-hmm. almost like it's not as big a deal for the rest of us to like hear it and accept it as it would have mm-hmm. been, you know, I don't know how many ever years ago, but it, I mean, it, it goes to show that I think there is progress to the point where it's like, Oh, that's cool. He's out. That's nice. Like, yeah, good for good for him. 
and it's not such a big, um, you know, it's not a, it's, it's not a, it's not controversial uh, right. or anything like that. I, I want to ask you this next question. And it's, it's, it's somewhat out of ignorance because look, I'm a straight white male. So it's uh, all good, man. <laughs> I, can't, I can't speak from personal experience, but I have, you know, talked to friends and I've, you know, read that there's a stigma that, uh, especially in the African-American community, as far as being gay or bisexual, have you experienced that? No, I, I, I haven't. Um, <clears throat> and, and like I said, actually, that's a, that's a pretty good question. Um, but no, I, I, I haven't, um, just because it, it kind of falls in line with everything else. I'm like, if you have a problem with, you know, who I am, you know, that speaks more of you than it does of me. Because um, at the same time, the question comes, okay, who is he hurting? What is he doing that's so wrong? Right. He's living his truth. He's living his best life. And you have a problem with that? Why? Does it affect your paycheck? Oh, it doesn't? So once again, what is your problem? Um, <laughs> and and, and my, my family's rallied around me, you know, really hard. My brother and sister have been really awesome about it. And, um, and, and if there is someone saying something about me, like, I don't hear about it. Um, I'm pretty sure they shut it down before it becomes a problem. Yeah. Um, and which, which is great. You know, it, it's awesome. I, I've realized early on that people are watching. You know, people are, you know, the representation of wrestling is, is really big nowadays and it should be um so it's just one of those things where i there's a whole new dimension of people who watch now yeah um and i take that very seriously i i don't i don't look at that flippantly um because i remember being a kid and always just wanted to see somebody like me on a main stage um no matter what it was i just always wanted to see somebody who looked like me on the stage because it, it gave me somebody to root for you know and we all want that one person to root for we always want that one person to be like yeah man, that's my guy like i cheer for that guy um and for me it was one of those things of where um i could either you know rooting for that guy is fun but i want to be that guy i want to be the guy people root for i want to be the guy people look up to i want to be the guy that people you know Hey, when when I when I you know when I when I grow up and I tell my kids I want to talk about you, and I want to make sure I do it right. I want to do it the way that it's supposed to be done, whatever that means. Um, but I, I still, at the end of the day, I'm going to be like, you know what, man, O'Shea did it right. Like if anybody did it right, that dude did it right, and that means a lot to me. What would you say to anyone out there who might be listening, who maybe they were in a similar place to where you were? before you went public, before you came out, maybe they're right. dealing with the same fears or struggles. Um, you know, what, what would you say to them? I know it's hard. And I know it seems like it's you're by yourself. And I know it, it seems as if no one will ever understand you. Um, but that can't be any farther from the truth. There is a whole entire world of people that are waiting for you that are going to love you no matter what, they're going to accept you no matter what, that are going to just adore you and, and cherish you no matter what. But it all starts with you. When you are ready, we're all waiting for you. When you are when you are ready, we are all here to just cheer you on as you deserve to cheer. Um, when you're 
you're ready, we're here to listen. When you're ready, we're here to comfort you. When you are ready, you know, we are here to be anything and everything that you need. We're just waiting on you. Man, those are those are awesome words, man. Wise words for sure. Um, and uh, look, I, I, you know, you talked about when you were younger, you know, wanting to see people that represented you. And I think, um, you know, you're now that person that people are looking at you. And um, that's an awesome, that's a cool place to be. And I know you that you take, like you said, you take that responsibility seriously. Um, I want to go back though, as, as I said, I want to, you know, start at the beginning, basically. Um, yeah. Tell your story. Uh, let's start when you were a kid. What, what was your upbringing like? Yeah, so uh, when I was a kid, um, like I said, like, like it was me and my mom. And, you know, we, we were broke, but I, I loved it, though. Like, to me, you know, we, that was, that, I was like, okay, cool. I figured everybody looked like this. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> it's not that big a deal. You know, um, I, 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 I'm, I'm originally from New York. I was born in New York. Um, but when I was younger, mom just said, you know what, she didn't want this, you know, for my life. So we just packed up and moved to Atlanta. Um, so here I am, this New York kid, like five, six years old, you know, I don't know who's what, living in this town, this city. And I'm like, where are we? Like, why is it so hot out there? This is not fun. Um, but, um, you know, we were, you know, we were broke, but mom made do, you know, she always made the best of everything. And to her credit, and, you know, we talk all the time. I told her, I've never seen you break. I've seen you like bend, <laughs> like I've never seen my mom break. She was always a big, um, big component of, hey, like, we're going to be okay. Like, she always said, it's going to be one of two things. Either it's going to be okay or it's going to be okay. There's no in-between. Okay, I can, I can subscribe to that. that that's no big deal. Um, but, you know, um, I had to grow up a little quick. You know, mom got married um, to my stepdad, who I call my dad, because you know, he helped me raise me and all that good stuff. Um, and, you know, um, I started watching wrestling eight or nine years old and it was such a taboo because I was like oh man I don't want my mom to find out I'm watching wrestling I'm doing so much trouble <laughs> so like when they go to bed like I would turn it off like oh wrestling, wrestling oh, this is so awesome and this is right around the time where like Monday Night Raw was just, just getting started I think they're like maybe a year on TV or something like that so I still remember seeing like the big boss man the ultimate warrior and all this stuff and I'm just like who are these guys these guys are awesome. This is so cool, you know. Um, and so I would, I would sneak wrestling. That, that's what it was. I would sneak wrestling. Um, but living in the South, you know, at the time, WWF, which you can't call it, the comment anymore, wasn't shown on like a lot of the big markets. But WCW was because at the time, WCW was based out of Atlanta. Right. So you would get them on like so the big station in Georgia was TBS. And of course, what was on TBS all the time? WCW. <laughs> so you, I would get a chance to like, watch all these shows on WCW, and I would just fall in love with it. I'm like, oh, this is so awesome. Who are these people? Um, and then you know, my mom found out, and that was that was a thing. <laughs> but it was one of those things where we sat down. She was like, you know what? You could be doing a lot worse right now. And if the biggest thing I have a problem with right now is you just watching wrestling, we're going to be okay. Yeah. So she, she kind of gave me her blessing to kind of go watch wrestling. And I was like, yay, I can, I can watch wrestling. You know, and granted, she was there. You know, she's like, oh, she's this is. And there's a time she's like, this is dog. 
<laughs> but she just, but she was like, it makes my son happy, so just let him have it. Which I was like, thank you. Um, and as I grew up, you know, you taste the wrestling change, and then you know, I kind of moonwalk into the um, Monday Night Wars and all that good stuff, and I was so awesome. I had a bedtime at ten o'clock. And so the problem was I could never see the last hour of Monday Night Raw, which, really which was always the best hour. It was always the best hour. Always the best hour. <laughs> so I would go to school, and all my friends were like, "Hey, man, did you hear what happened in the Monday Night Raw?" I'm like, "No, please tell me. I thought I would have been at ten. And then of course I get ragged on because I had to go to bed at ten. I'm like, "Shut up and just tell me." <laughs> um, so we would do that. We had like pay per view parties. You know, it was really it was it was such an awesome time. It was like right before the dirt sheet. Too. So like you were generally surprised. It was it was awesome. Um, and then you know you get to see like talents walk back and forth and the other. I'm like this is so cool. Like how do you? And people look at me like I was a dork, and I looked at them like, how come you don't watch it? This is awesome. Exactly. What's wrong with you? Like, if anybody's a dork, you are the dork. Um, so um, you know I really you know I I, I still watch it this day. I still watch wrestling in all forms as a fan because ultimately, were we all fans before we all got started? We were all just fans. Yeah. So I, I enjoy like still watching wrestling and I still enjoy being a fan. I tell people, hey, don't support me anymore, man. Let me find out. You know, come on. I try to like, you know, pay per view nights and all that stuff, especially Ring of Honor nights. I just like, hey, man, I stay up, I stay up the phone. I don't want to hear it. No, I want to find out my, myself. I want to be, I want to be you know, surprised. Uh, I, I love that feeling. Such a great feeling. Um, and then, um, you know, as I got a little older, you know, I'm still in the fire department doing whatever. I'm at 30. About to turn 30. And I don't know what dawned on me, but I'm like, you know what, man? I wonder if I can do this. <laughs> like, can I do this? Can I do this? I don't know. You know, I, I've played high school football, college football. You know, I've done it all. But I was like, man, wrestling's the one thing I've never done before. I didn't wrestle in high school. I just, I, it was just football and track, and that was it. And I was like, I wonder if I could do this. So um, Johnny Swinger at the time was giving out like these $20 a drop in rate. Hey, man, let's just come roll around and see what you got. And I was nervous. It was first, I was like nervous, nervous. Like, oh, man, am I going to embarrass myself in front of all these people? And like, these are guys who've been wrestling for a while, and they were just guys who just wanted to learn how to wrestle. But to me, these guys were like the second coming of Steve Austin, you know, because I'm like, these guys are so awesome. Look at them go. This is cool. Can I do this? I don't know. And you, you're and about what age? You're about what age? I'm, the, I'm 30, like 30, 31. Yeah. Come on the show, talk about how they got into it when they were teenagers. Um, right. Julianne, right, from Australia, started training when she was 13. So yeah. here you are at 30. Now, it's almost like Diamond Dallas Page is the guy that started at 35. Yes. 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 But 30. He is been, yeah, 30. Ugh. Well, because not to mention, I've been playing football for so long. And once you hit 30 at, at football, man, you're, at, you're almost out of the You got a foot out the league already. Right. You know, at 30 years old, they're drafting another kid to come take your spot. Yep. So in my mind, athletically, man, at 30, you just might as well get to start pouring dirt on yourself. Man, you're dead. Um. But I tell people all the time, I was like, actually, we can start to get 30 is probably the best answer could happen. I was smart. I knew what I could do. I was a little bit more mature. I know, I was an idiot when I was in my 20s. <laughs> I was a moron. Oh, man, the dumb stuff I was doing when I was 20, can you imagine me wrestling at that point? Oh, I'm supposed to get hurt. Um, 
but I was a little bit smarter. I knew what I was capable of. I knew how far I could push before, you know, physically my body started pushing back. And I got it. Um, it's one of the things I tell people. I was like, there's only been two times in my life where I had things down pat from day one. Uh, the very first day I stepped into uh, recruit school as a firefighter. Day one, I knew I had it. I'm like, I got this. Boom. I'm in. Like, I got it. Even at football, I wasn't that good at day one. I just, oh, I suck. <laughs> but the, the, second, the second thing I ever done in my life where I had it day one was professional wrestling. And as soon as I got in those, you know, gross, I'm like, boop, got it. I got it. Let's go. Come on. Like, just the nuance and the, the footwork. And even John Troy's like, man, have you used the box? I'm like, no, I used to play football. He's like, what position do you play? Like offensive line, he goes. That explains it. Like explains what he goes. That explains why your feet move the way they do. He goes. I've never seen a guy your size like with feet that move that fast and that like Chris. Like you know where you're at before you even get there. And I was like, oh, I figured everyone did this. Yeah. <laughs> I figured. I, I figured like I was. I figured I was behind the curve. And mentally, that's always where I've been at. Where I was behind the curve. So I had in my mind, I had to work three, four times as hard just to get caught up with everybody else because I'm thinking that I'm the guy holding everybody up. But it actually, in instance, I was the guy pushing ahead. I was setting the pace for everybody else. So guys were having to keep up with me, but I'm thinking I'm having to keep up with them. And I still keep that mindset to this day of where, you know, the whole, the whole you know, the adage of, you know, if you're the smartest guy in the room, it's time to find a new room. Yes. That's where, that's anytime I go somewhere new, that's where I go. Where I'm like, man, I need to find a new room, dude. Like, I, I don't want to be the smartest guy here. I don't want to be the best guy in this promotion. I don't want to be the best guy on this roster. Because when that happens, then, then I don't want to be like, oh, I have nothing to learn. No, man, when, that, when I feel as if I'm the smartest guy in the room, I'm off to find another room. Because I know there's somebody who knows more than me, and I want to learn from them. And through my six-year career, that's where I went for his bed where I've just always tried to find the bigger room because I can learn so much from them. I will always be a student of the game. No matter what, I will always be a student of the game. I sit there and watch wrestling when there's nothing else going on because I continue to want to learn. I continue to want to evolve. And I, you know, I, I have friends that I bounce these wrestling ideas off of on such a constant basis because my brain is always just working, 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 working. And I love that feeling because I, I love to learn, especially something that I'm very, 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 very passionate which sometimes can come off as aggression. I get it, but still, it's not passionate about something. I put all, I put all myself into it. Um, but yeah, like I said, 30, and, and then um, I got so far with, you know, Swingers Group, where I some of the circles that I ran in wrestling line, they were like, hey, man, where do you train? And I told him. He's like, well, you know Robert Gibson, right? I was like, yeah. I was like, who does it? He said, well, you know he has a school, like, outside of Atlanta, too. I was like, no, I, I didn't know that. They gave me his cards. Hey, man, won't you come over here and just, um, you know, just just stop stop in, stop in. I said, like, okay, cool. Yeah, I may do that. Well, I'm big on respect. Um, I, I'm big on mutual respect because if there's anything, you know, that, you know, money can't buy, it's respect. So I go to training back at Johnny Swing, and I'm like, hey, Johnny, can I talk to you, man? Um, I got an invite to go train at Robert's place. Is that cool? Because I don't want to offend you. If I go somewhere else and his eyes got big, he goes, no, 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 go do that. He goes, please go do that. 
Um, he goes, Robert can teach you so much more than what I can. Um, he was like, I gave you the the building blocks of how to professional wrestle. He goes, but there's there's holes in your game that I can't, I probably won't see, but Robert will see them. And Robert will flesh them out and Robert will fill in those gaps. And I was like, cool. And um, kind of, you know, kind of had his blessing, whatever. And I went down there and the first words out of Robert's mouth was, hey, lock up. Yeah. And we lock up, and he kind of looked at me. He goes, oh, "I'm gonna start all over again." And I'm like, "What do you mean we gotta start all over again?" And but it was one of the best things I ever could have done because he literally took what I knew, and then told me, "Hey, this is how we do it." Um, his big thing was, you know, we're not wrestling for the independent circuit; we're wrestling for TV. He's like, "I'm assuming you want to be on TV." I was like, "Yeah, who doesn't?" He's like, "Okay, cool." then I'll teach you how to be on TV. This is how we wrestle for TV. This is what we do on television. And I, for the next year and a half, almost two years, like I just sat there and absorbed everything that I had to say like a sponge. Um, 2016 came around. I think Ring of Honor had their first camp out in Bristol. <laughs> that lovely place out in Bristol. Uh, Bristol and PA. <laughs> Bristol, PA, you know. And um, I went. Um, I didn't tell anybody I was going. I just went. Um, which I, you know, I ended up paying for that later, but I just went because I just wanted to, I wanted to see where I was at. You know, I've been at it for a little over a year at that point. I wanted to see where I stood compared to everybody else. Because at that point in time, this was a litmus test for me to see like, Hey man, am I wasting my time? You know, is this just a hobby is, or is this something that I can, you know, really get into? And, and that was two of the most hectic days of my entire life. Like worse than any fire I've ever been into was being in being in that building with the likes of you know um, Delirious and you know uh, a few other guys that were there, and then being on being in the room with guys like Brian Malone, Josh Wood, um, you know I, I was just like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> what's happening? You know I have to compete with these guys, and it and I've never really doubted. Myself. But I was like, oh, man, we may be outside our death here. <laughs> we, let's just try to tread water, my guy, and not drown. That's that's the goal. Let's just not drown. Um, and I remember just going in there and just going for it. Just going. Because I, I guess for me, it's like, what do I have to lose? What are you going to do? Tell me I suck? Okay, cool. Thanks. And I go about my merry little way. But what I, I had nothing to lose. So I, you know, did my matches and all that good stuff. And they pulled me outside and they were like, hey, man, listen, um, this isn't a no. And I was like, okay, what is it? Because it doesn't look like it's a yes. <laughs> and they're like, this is a not yet. It just feels like you need more time to, like, they said cook. You know, it, it, it was said to me that, you know, someone said that you've been wrestling for 10 years. You just never had a chance to wrestle someone better than you. I, would have, you know, that would have been fine. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds about right. And they're like, well, how long have you been working? I was like, a year. And I remember if somebody going, excuse me? I'm like, that's right, a year. And like, hold on, you gave us that after a year. And I was like, yeah. And they kind of was like, hold on one second. And they, you know, they kind of talk and they come back and they're like, hey, man, listen, whatever you're doing in front of that camera, you keep doing that. That's going to get you paid. You just, have your in-ring work meet that and then come see us again okay and i left 
Like I, I literally pat my bags back. I left because I, you know, I had to, had to be at the station the next day because I had to pay someone just to work my shift. For me. So I, you know, I had to be at work. Well, let me, let me interrupt for a second. Let me ask you: When yeah. you walk away there from there, uh, being told that, are you discouraged or are you encouraged by what they told you? Oh man, I had the biggest smile on my face. My I would think so. Yeah. Oh man, I was on cloud nine. I called my best friend. I'm like, yo, let me tell you about the weekend I just had. Because <laughs> I tell you, you're in good company as far as people who their first tryout, they were told something similar of like, you know, not yet. Like you're not quite, right. go, go go work on this or that and come back. And and so many of those guys who did that, um, you know, are stars in this business now. Right. And and some of these guys were, who were ring around, they've moved on and stuff like that. Like I was just like, I work great when I have direction. You tell me what I need to work on. The next time you see me, the trust me that, that you it will be worked on, and you will tell I've worked on it. Um. So the next two years, man, I was on my hustle. Um. I started traveling out of state more. I mean, I started putting like this present about myself more, 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 because in the back of my head is like, I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back. And I just continue to do it again and again and again. I think within the span of two years, they gave out two more camps that I didn't go. Because I, in my head, I wasn't ready. Like, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. You still got to come. Still gotta, we're, we're almost there. We're almost there. And then I remember um, in October of 2018, they moved to Baltimore. And I put in for it. And they were like, yeah, man, you're in. Cool. And I had such a determination that I was going um, because at the time I was the only guy coming from the state of Georgia that was unaffiliated with anybody else like I was coming from Georgia on my own not because someone called and said hey you need to come up here now I was doing it by myself and a lot of things I did was by myself because I I just worked better doing it by myself um so I remember sitting there and all these and actually I'm in the camp with SOS, and I remember vaguely them standing right next to me, and uh, a bunch of other guys, and I was just like, "Man, I don't know what you guys came here for, but I came here for a job, and I'm not leaving without one." I'm like, "Watch this!" And for two days, I put together a weekend that was just, to me, some of the best we ever put out at the time for me being as young as I was, like you know, looking at it four years into the game. I was like, no, nah, man, this is the best work ever. And I remember, and they, they picked me to do a Future of Honor match, my very first one, um, with, uh, you know, Dak Draper, which was, like, I knew where Dak, I knew, I knew him. Like, I didn't know of him, but I, I, didn't, I didn't know him, but I knew of him. I was like, yo, man, this is their blue chip guy. Boy, let's not, let's not, let's not screw the pooch on this one, man. <laughs> if there's any time for you not to screw up, this is it. No pressure, though. No pressure. <laughs> So we, you know, we had the match and everyone's like, that was really good. And then they pulled me to the back. And I, I, you ever been so sure of something that you try not to put it out there? Like, you already know what you're going to say. Like, I knew what they were going to say to me, but I was like, I can't get in the way. Like, I got to keep this straight, stone cold face. But I was so betraying myself. And they pulled me to the back and goes, hey, man, that was one of the strongest weekends I've ever, we've ever seen anyone ever have before. And he goes, we can tell that you have been working. We've been keeping an eye on you. Since the first time we saw you, we was kind of waiting for you to come back and show us what you got. Um, he goes, with that being said, how quickly can you get the ball to work? 
And I just sat there and looked what that kid want. And very rarely am I speechless. But I remember just kind of sitting there going, what? <laughs> what you say? <laughs> like, uh-uh, for real? Um, you know, there's like, we're not sure what your personal life is like, but get back to us. We would love to have you up here. Um, and I was like, yeah, man, I'll, I'll let you know as soon as I get anything handled. And that was October. It took me maybe five months to get everything together. And I remember selling my house. And like, I got to go. And a few people are like, are you sure if this is what you want to do? Like, you've been a fire department for like 15 years at this point. And really at that point in time, like, I became a lieutenant. Um, I, I got moved into arson investigation. So I, I was set, like, in the fire department. Like, I was, if I didn't want to leave the fire department, I had a very nice life, very comfortable life. But it wasn't enough. Um, I was like, no, man, I, I got to get out of here. I, I got to see what this goes. Like, I, I couldn't live myself up. I don't see what goes. So, I, you know, I, I quit. And I sold my house and, you know, I took the money I sold from the house. I took my retirement and I moved to Baltimore. And um, uh, it's one of the best things I ever did. Yeah, I got to tell you, man, I, I had a similar experience in my professional life where you get, you've been at a job for a long time. You're very comfortable. You're making a good living. You're in your hometown. But, man, you, you get this other opportunity and, uh, you know, you it's like, do I give up this sure thing to follow this dream or, or do I not? And you do a lot of thinking and soul searching, but ultimately I, I it's, it was my experience. Clearly it's been your experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think when you, when you bet on yourself and you follow your dream, I know this, maybe this sounds corny or whatever, but like you're almost, it's almost impossible not to succeed because you have to like right. if you believe something that you're that's very stable uh, to follow a dream like you're going to make it happen because you have no other choice you, you, yeah and and it's the it's the most rewarding thing but what they don't tell you it is one of the most scariest things of your life for sure there there have been times where i have been by myself and like brother what did we just do <laughs> what did we just do it's a leap of faith no question man and, and with no safety net but you know the, the the whole adage of you know um, you 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 can't explore the world if you're not willing to lose sight of the shore. So you got you got to give something up to to be what you've never been before. You have to do things you've never done before, and need to give up that type of security and just leave and to bet on myself, and then to slowly see that thing. You know, it's like playing blackjack and you're going all in and you see that card hit twenty one. You're like, get out of here. You're like, <laughs> really? I won? That's amazing. It's it's a it's a shock and a relief at the same time. Oh, this worked! Wow, this worked! Um, you know, it it felt it, it was good, man. But you know, it came with its up and downs. You know, the it was um you're in the south. I was a I was becoming a big fish in the south, but I wanted to be bigger, and I know I needed to grow. So I I figured, all right, we'll dump me in the ROH ocean. We'll see what happens there. Um, and that was, um, that was, I, I go back to football a lot because it, it, it makes easy metaphors. You know, when you play high school football, your playbook, for the most part, maybe like a few pieces of paper stapled together. That's it. Hey, man, we run 12 plays on this offense. These are it. Cool. Great. You get really good at those 12 plays. You go to college. And then your offensive coordinator says, you, hey, by the way, these are the plays we run. And instead of a few sheets of paper, it's a notebook. And that thing is bursting at the seams and it is like and half those plays are the same play at a different formation you gotta memorize them all that's what it was like becoming or bring them on for the first time like at the dojo i was like oh oh we're doing things differently over here 
okay. <laughs> it's like, okay, okay. And of course, when you add the fact that, like I said, I always operate with, I'm having to play catch up with everybody else. Cause I think at the time, everyone else has been there touching a year, a little, little less than a year at that time. Cause you had like Ken Dixon, Joe Keen, Dante, SOS, you know, Dak Draper was there and Rose was in there. So all these people who have been here for, and they've been, they know what they're doing. And then here comes this schmuck. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> hey guys. I'm new. Teach me what to do. <laughs> and I'm just trying not to, um, I'm not trying to slow the class down. Right. These guys are here to work. These guys are here to be on TV. I'm here to be on TV. So I better get on my horse and try. The, 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 the margin of error for me it, in my mind is, is very, very short. And that window is very, very small. So I ha- if I'm going to hit this, I have to be on my game every time I walk in there. And that's just a train. That's just a train. And it'd be another two years before I even bring the Jets to Davies. So, you know, I tell people, I'm like, yeah, man, I've been on my horse for a while. And even though I would go train the dojo Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I would still fly out and go wrestle somewhere else. So constantly getting a chance to, you know, learn from some of the great ones, some of the best that everyone has produced. And then I, within a few days, I get to go, um, put it in motion, you know, fly back to Atlanta, fly out to Florida, you know, drive here, drive there and make it work. And it did. And it was awesome. And it was really a, a affirmation that, oh, everybody knows what you're talking about. Cool. <laughs> and then um, it kind of like, you know, became its own little thing. So, but no, it's it, like the, the, the whole getting, you know, betting on yourself and watching it play out in these short increments of time, it, it, it's awesome. And I'm like, man, if I did it in two years, man, Way we'll to see the next two. Oh, for sure, absolutely. Well, look, we're going to take our uh, second break here, and then we still got more to talk about with O'Shea Edwards right after this. Hi, I'm Quinn McKay, the host of Ring of Honor's weekly YouTube show, Week by Week. Join me every Tuesday for brand new episodes as we catch up on all of the groundbreaking ROH news and get exclusive comments from some of your favorite ROH stars. We also have some great weekly segments like Question of the Week, This Day in History, and Brian Zane's Top Five. Join me every Tuesday at 1 p.m. on social media and youtube.com slash ring of honor for week by week. All right, we are back on the ROH Strong Podcast. My guest is O'Shea Edwards. Uh, We talked about you training at the dojo and sort of, you mentioned before the last break, having to play catch up because some of the guys and girls have been there for a while. Uh, But you are the oldest person there. So um, talk to me about, like, you're, you're the new guy, but you're also the oldest guy there. Was your age, I'm just curious, ever an issue with anybody as far no. as – because sometimes, like, I remember – I think it might have been Tough Enough or one of those shows back in the days. If you were at a certain age – That's it, man. You were getting on. It's like <laughs> – You were getting on that show. Yeah, yeah you're, too old. you're too old to do this. Did right, you ever right. encounter any of that? No, I never really encountered any of that um, – because I'm a I'm a big I'm a big um, component of letting my work speak for me, and um, not to mention when you are one of the strongest, if not the strongest guy in the room, people know. <laughs> you know, like, I tell people all the time, I'm like, you don't have to like want to like go somewhere else, but I'm gonna put you somewhere else. You don't have to like it. That's fine, but it's happening. Um, but at the same time, I was very. Um, 
very open to like what was being taught to me. And I, and I pick up on things very well. So I was a fast learner and I could easily, you know, pick up what was going on, even if it wasn't my style of wrestling. I'm a, I'm a powerhouse brew type, type of wrestler. But to slow things down a little bit, and it's not an issue of, hey, do this. It's, hey, I'm going to teach you how to do X, Y, Z. Then I'm going to tell you why we're going to do X, Y, Z. That stuff, like, sticks with me longer because yeah, I'm, I'm not a guy who just does stuff just to do it. There's a reason behind everything that I'm doing. Every step that I take, every punch that I throw, there is, a, there is an intent and there is a um, the whole, there's a message in my madness in terms of everything. That I'm like, trust me, just, there's a reason why I'm doing this. Just trust the process. Um, and then on top of that, where I can start bringing my own style of like, you know, the Southern wrestling, which is really, you know, um, it, it's it's a workman special, man. <laughs> it's a blue collar workman special where I'm going to hit you. I'm going to hit you hard. I'm going to hit you often. And if you want me to stop, I'm assuming you better start hitting me too. Um, and the way I can kind of like blend the two of those together to make it work and to make it fit and to mesh with everybody else in that sense, man, it really put me on a, on a different level of, oh, okay, cool. O'Shea's on the level. O'Shea knows what he's doing. You know, this, you know, age is nothing more really but a mindset. You know, um, I've seen guys at 35 who are halfway dead now because they're 35. Me, I, I, in my mind, I'm 35 and I'm, man, I'm just not in my prime. I got another good solid eight years of age at this level, just getting it. What does that mean for everybody else? Oof, you guys are in trouble. <laughs> if I'm 35, 36, I'm telling you, I got eight more years of this, man, and I'm just getting better. I'm going to continue to get better. Um, that just speaks ill with everybody else. Like, sorry for you, man. Sorry. You know, I don't want to tell you. Um, but the, 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 the dojo was humbling at the same time. Humbling, humbling at the same time that I, you know, because I was no longer the smartest guy in the room. <laughs> and I and I was like, okay, I am not the smartest guy in the room. Let me shut up and listen. And for a good while, that's what I did. I just shut up and listen. Um, you know, I figured out how to do things, how to do things my way, but still show that I'm learning going on to that. Um, and then getting to travel with the ring crew and learning the other side of wrestling, the you know, the production, the TV side, the business, as it was. That was that's awesome because now I get to understand what's going into making shows. Even with no crowd, I'm still getting I'm still learning. You know, some of the some of the best stuff I've ever learned were so much from a another wrestler, but was listening to the the cameraman talk, the sound guy talk, the the guy who's playing the music talk, you know, listening to different producers and different directors, you know, the the videographer, the, the editor, like that stuff means something. Without those guys there is no show. So why why wouldn't I want to learn as much as I can from these guys as well so that when I wrestle I can make their job easier. Because if I make their job easier, they're going to want to work with me more. And if they want to work with me more, I get paid more money. And if I keep doing good, they get paid more money. So this is this giant ecosystem that I want to be a part of because I'm trying to do this for the rest of my life. Right. Well, and that's so smart, too, because just learning every aspect of it and soaking up as much as you can in every aspect. I mean, that just that's only going to help you uh, in your career. And, I, you know, when I... I was a writer at WWE for a few years. And when I went there, one of the first things that they do when they put you on the road is they have you sit in the truck and you sit in the yeah. truck and, and you watch, you know, Kevin Dunn basically direct the show. 
And you learn so much about the machine and the operation and, and, you know, just from doing that, they just, they, they just sit you in there and you just, you know, you sit in the corner and you watch and you soak it all in. And uh, so I know exactly what you're talking about. But I love it though. Yeah, me too. I, I, I love it because at that point in time, because I get to ask a question and there's so many people out there, people are afraid to ask questions, but I, I, a lot of times like the people who you're watching, they want to ask questions. hundred percent. Like, no, ask, ask the question. So I'm all about it. Like, Hey man, why do we do like, why is there such a, you know, why do we have this delay? Why do we cut to this camera? This camera? And of course, you know, there's a, you know, you don't want to come off as big, you know, annoying but you know hey i do have a question about this and you know this, that, you know, i take mental notes and then i have a notebook that i'm always like scribbling something in or i'm doing something in. like okay this camera's here point here point there so once again once it's my turn i already have it you don't have to teach me you know o'shea has this already um especially if i do promos by myself I'm like, okay if this works for this grand stage man when i go home and film how can i simplify this because i don't have to blow on just you know video equipment. How can I do this in my own home, in my own studio, to make to get this to such a level where you can't distinguish what's been professionally produced and edited and what I put out. And I'm trying, you know, and some people get it, some people don't. But for me, I want to make sure that at the end of the day, I know as much as I possibly can that I can help, you know, make the best show possible, regardless of whether or not. Yeah, and I think when you have people that have knowledge to impart that they really do. I think you, you know, you just said it, they do appreciate people who have a thirst for learning and people who want to know and will ask questions. They're more than happy uh, to answer them. And I think the fact that you're asking the questions um, makes them respect you, you know, that they don't have to, nobody's going to come up to you and say, Hey, um, you know, I'm going to, let me give you this knowledge. <laughs> the right. Fact that you come to them, I think says, says a lot and it shows uh you know, how serious you are about your craft and how much you want to learn, how much you want to be a, a success at it. So yeah, man, I think that's, that's great advice. I think for anybody listening is never be afraid to ask a question, you know, nine times out of 10, you're, the person you're asking is going to be happy to give you the, the answer. Sure. Maybe one time out of 10, you'll get the, uh, you'll get a jerk. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's worth it. It's yeah. for the knowledge. Oh man, we deal with jerks all the time. I'm like, no, man, it's worth it. That's fine. So let me ask you about, um, you mentioned promos, right? So obviously, you know, we could just look at you and see you have the physical skills. We know you play college football, you're an athlete, all that good stuff. But there's another aspect to the business, which is, you know, you have to communicate verbally. Um, you have to have a personality, uh, cutting promos. It's all part of it. Is that obviously just, you know, people can tell if they've never heard you before this podcast today, they could tell just by listening today that, you're obviously a very well-spoken guy. Is that, is, is talking publicly something that came natural to you or is it something you've had to work at? Is, is promos like a skill, uh, cutting little, promos, is that a skill you had to learn? A little bit of both. A little bit of both. Um, as a, as a, when I was younger, I, I, I was a theater kid. Um, like in high school, a little bit of college. I did some theater here and there to kind of like get over that nervousness, just talking in front of people. Talking to people. People don't understand, talking in front of people, if you've never done it before, it is nerve-wracking. Nerve-wracking. Especially if you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> like, it's nerve-wracking. Because people will call you out quick. Um, but it was one of those things where, um, you know, at, at the fire department, I would have to 
we would we would do like career days and we would do um like these demonstrations with people and all that good stuff so um you you learned real quick if you could do this type of the job or not in terms of being out there to like um you know we call them um pios your public information officer uh, you find out real quick who could do that job okay <laughs> because you're going to have a reporter in your face you're going to have a camera in your face and don't say anything stupid I have seen people lose jobs because they said something stupid on camera. Um, but they just they just never really been trained, like, you know, talking from camera before. It it is show. Um, but like I was I was enamored with like like the radio and having that type of proper voice and how to inflect, you know, when you're trying to portray something and no one can see your face. Um some of the great ones in radio, you can like tell what they're trying to say just by hearing the peaks and valleys, you know, the, the pitch and freaks of their voice just because you just could. You could you know, understand someone being genuine, someone like kind of being fake. Um, and I never wanted to come off as being fake. Um, so I, I, made it a, I made it a point to really just like get it. Um, I talk to myself a bunch. <laughs> I talk to myself a lot. Um, and I talk to myself out loud because if I don't believe what I'm saying, no one else is going to believe. Like, it's just, it's just, it's just not, you know. The, the, a lot of people, you know, I call it, call it the, old, the old Jim Jones. Like, hey, man, Jim Jones got people to drink the Kool-Aid. That's insane. Like, how did he do that? Like, right. he didn't put a gun to their head. No, he talked to them. Like, that, dude's a, that dude's a bona fide psychopath. But, wow, that's amazing. Um, and so I wanted to be on that, um, not to that level, but I want to have that type of presence vocally that when I spoke, people understood I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I mean, that's, that's real. Like, that's real. Even if you didn't think it was real, even if it wasn't real, I wanted you to believe that it was real, just because how I was portraying it to you. Um, but promos, I said it before to a bunch of young guys. I'm like, you want to get paid? Um, here's the thing, man. Um, you better get good in front of that camera. You better get good in front of that camera. Because if you're not, they're going to find out real quick. And it's easy to learn how to wrestle. They teach anybody nowadays to learn how to wrestle. But not everybody can get in front of that camera and nail it. That's what's going to set you apart. That's what's going to make you money. That's what's going to make somebody else money. Therefore, it's going to give you money. Um, so uh, I take time to do promos anytime I can. Like I do it in the car. I do it in the shower. Brushing my teeth, I just do one. I just cut one just because I can. That way, when I get it from the camera, it's nothing. Yep. Um, but at the same time, you still have to like give a piece of yourself to the audience, regardless of if they're there or not. Um, so some people are willing to do that, which is awesome. Um, some people are not, and there are times where you can tell when someone's really opening themselves up. Um, the promo I did for Ring of Honor, I opened myself up. Um, there are some telltale signs that I'm opening myself up. And I'm not going to say what they are, but there are moments where people who know me be like, hey, man, like, that was real. I'm like, yeah, it was. I could tell because you did this one thing with the thing and the thing. I'm like, yeah, man, you don't do that until it's getting real. I'm like, yeah, it was getting real. Like, I had to catch myself because I was getting real. Um, I always say, like, we always have that um, box of crap that we've always dealt with in our lives that we kind of put in a box, you know, that we don't let anybody really know about. We just kind of put it in a box and we close this box 
and it's our box. Like it's ours. No one will ever know it. This is what we hold dear to ourselves, you know. And it can be filled with anything. Um, you know, um, achievements, failures, traumas, successes, loves. Like when you, you put all those emo- those raw emotions in a box, and you just keep it for yourself. But the way I see, the way it's been kind of taught, and I've kind of really like it, it's worked was when I'm giving these promos where it's just me. I open that box up and I just take this small little piece of myself, nothing major, just a small little piece, and I put it out there for the world to see. And this is who I am. This is what I'm dealing with. This is what's going on with me. This is what's on my mind. This is what makes me, um, um, this is what makes me me. I'm not, ex- I'm not, uh, I'm not expecting you to accept it. I'm not expecting you to like it, but I am giving you a piece of myself because that's what you deserve. If you're going to spend money to watch me and listen to me, then let me give you something that you can't get on your phone. Um, it's 2021, man. What is it, seven second rule? Like, if people don't like what you're saying in the first seven seconds, there's a change channel. Oh, it's YouTube. We don't like what you're doing on YouTube. Guess what we'll do, man? We'll just give it every video. They are giving us other stuff to watch if you don't like. I need to make sure that I keep you. That's how I do it. I give you a piece of myself. And um, it's worked. It's been pretty. It's working out pretty well for me right now. Yes. Um, but that's what. But that's what helps me connect with people. You know, I'm like, hey man, like I get it because I went through the same thing. So, so anytime, any chance I get to like really be on a camera and like somebody go, hey man, I want to know who you are. I'm like, cool. Buckle, buckle up. This is going to be a wild ride. Well, and I, I've said this uh, many times actually on the podcast is that since we sort of did our restart. Uh, we came back from, you know, our five month hiatus uh, with this new format where we're giving people opportunities to do these sit down interviews. It really is a chance for people to, as you said, give a piece of your real self and your real story uh, because we're going for realism right now. And mm-hmm. this is different than what anybody else is doing. So it's unique. And this format is so uh, perfect for that. And it allows guys you know, someone like yourself, someone like Sledge, who's never gotten TV time before. Mm-hmm. There's no uh, one-minute promo. There's no, you know, backstage interview that could have done what those sit-down interviews did, where it's just you telling your story and telling it in, in you know, in your own words, with your own cadence and everything else. I, I, I likened it to this. Like, if I'm if I'm not a hardcore ring of honor fan, if I don't follow future of honor or I'm not, you know, completely up on the independent scene, if I have no idea who sledge is and I have no idea who O'Shea right. is, I sit Definitely down right. and I like you put that match on paper and you're like, nah, I don't know those guys. I, why would I want to watch that? But then you watch those sit down interviews and at, by the end you're like, all right, man, I want to see these guys fight. Mm-hmm. That's the beauty of it. Yeah. And, and that's, that's, that's the thing, man. That's, that's where that's where the money gets made. You know, that's where honestly, that's where the magic happens. Yeah. Um, because as much as I love the hardcore fan, the Ring of Honor fan, I love them to death. But I'm after the casual fan. Um, I'm after the the people who don't know that they're fans yet. Hey man, watch this. Tell me what you think. Oh man, that was great. Hey, would you pay twenty bucks to go watch this match? Oh yeah, cool. By the way, this match is happening. So and so and so is Um, I want that person 
that's the part, like that's the business side. Like I want that person. You know, when I'm talking to a camera, I, I tell people like, I'm not talking to the camera. I'm talking through it because I'm talking to you. I, I want you, man. I'm trying to. Get, I'm talking to you. That one guy who has been through so much crap, and you continue to go through crap, and you're just trying to make it. You know, I'm trying. I'm, you know, I'm talking to you who has had this childhood that you've been broken, you've persevered, and at the end of the day, you have still. You're still standing. You're still strong. You know, I'm talking to you, the one guy who has accepted who he is in life, and like, oh man, I. This is me. I'm comfortable in my own skin. This is who I am. Let's go. Like those are the people I want because those are the ones that will continue to come back and continue to come back. And those are the ones who will get invested in you. Those are the ones who will see you through thick and thin. They'll pick you up when you're down because you picked them up when they were down so many times. Um, those are the ones that I want to reach. Those are the ones that I'm talking to because the Ring of Honor fan is exactly the Ring of Honor fan. You know, they know who they want to see. They know who they, you know, they, they're going to be there. I'm going to watch this. This is good. That's cool. Like, cool, man. I'm so happy you're here. I tell you what, man, let's turn around. Let's go get 10 more people just like, yeah. let's fill this place. Let's fill this place up again, like the way, the way it used to be. Let's fill this place up. Man. Let's get loud. Let's get rowdy. Let's make all the other ones start sweating. You know, that's what I want. Like, let's make them sweat, man. Like, oh, man, they're doing this. Like, yeah, man, we're doing this. What's up? 100%. 100%. Well, before we go to uh, our final break and, uh, and do our 10 question segment, I couldn't wrap this up uh, without talking to you about Shane Taylor. Because uh, I know that you are, we haven't really seen you on TV with uh, Shane and SOS, but mm -hmm. anyone who follows you guys on social media, we know that you are associated with Shane Taylor promotions. Um, mm -hmm. Talk to me about your relationship with Shane, how that developed and, uh, and where you see it going. Man. So the guys, it's guys like Shane, um, Jay Lethal. Kenny King uh, and, and Cheeseburger and even Shane is the reason why I wanted to come to Ring of Bar in the first place. Um, I, I, I just, the minute I actually watched Ring of Bar for the first time, these were the guys that were showing up. It was completely different from what I was seeing at the time in WWE. And I fell in love with it because now I'm an adult. So now I'm, I'm a little more, you know, a little bit more hip about what's going on. And now I'm seeing guys who look like me, who talk like me. And they're putting on absolute just classics. And I'm like, I want to work there. Like, I think before I was living in Atlanta, like Ring of Art was coming up to like 12 o'clock at night. And if I couldn't stay up to watch it, I had it taped. So if I went to work when I got home, it was the first thing I was supposed to do. Um, I, wanted to, I wanted to be here. I wanted to work there. And the way that Shane thinks in the way that I think it's really parallel. Like it's very, very, I mean, almost, almost of a like one mind type type deal. So I think the, the minute we first initially started talking, it was almost as we knew each other for years. And we just got along really, really well. And this is before he started putting together um, Shane's head promotion. Um, but when he, when he, when it finally came to fruition, he's put it together, man, I was just, I was aghast of how awesome this was going over. I'm like, yo, this is sweet. So in my head, I'm like, how do I want to be a part of that? Like, I got to be a part of this. This is big. I want to be on the ground floor for this. And it's almost as if his ears were burning because I think a few weeks later, he kind of sent me a text. He goes, hey, man, I just want to talk to you real quick. And my first I was like, oh, man, did I screw up? <laughs> did I do something wrong? Anytime I need to talk to you, it's usually never, it's never a good thing. 
<laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, he's like, hey, man. He goes, I, I, I've seen you in the dojo. We've talked to him a times, man. Um, I see what you're doing on the independence. I see what you're doing on your social media. He goes, how would you feel if when the time is right, I bring you in? And I was like, bring me in where? Because I'm like, I want you to say it. Like, I need you to say it. <laughs> and he was like, I'm going to bring you in promotion. Um, let it be with Ring of Honor or let it be just on the independent scene. It's like, you know, we're going to make Shane Taylor promotion bigger. It's going to be so much more than just Ring of Honor. It's more of a, it's, he was thinking of what Floyd Mayweather was doing. And I was like, oh, okay. 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 Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, man, I'm in. I'm in. He goes, cool. Just keep this under your head right now. I'll tell you when, you know, we can finally go, like, uh, I guess go public. I was like, cool. So, you know, we would talk here and there. And I would pass some matches. I'd do them on the independence and all that good stuff. And every time we would do a show, uh, you know, he always come by the dojo and we would work together. And then we would just, like, you know, I watched him work with us away, of course. But usually towards the end, he pulled me aside. We kind of, like, you know, just chewed the back a little bit. And, that was it. and then he was like, hey, man, um, I think it was after the first sledge the first match that we had, um, Shane pulled me aside and go, hey, by the way, you go ahead and start making that public now. And I was like, for real? He's like, yeah, man, this is for you. And so he got me, you know, got me a Shane Taylor jacket. And I was like, what? This is real. He goes, yeah, man, this is real. He goes, if you don't mind, you know, um, just, you know, keep doing what you're doing. No big deal. And I was like, well, if this is going to be real, every time I go to Independence, it's been cool if I say represent Shane promotion. He was he goes, this is the one of the main reasons why I said, I'm telling you now that it's, you know, it's real because that's exactly what I want you to go do. Okay, cool. Um, like, I think um, even with the pandemic, I was still wrestling. Like, I wasn't wrestling to the, the, the clip that I was before. Um, I think pre-pandemic, I was wrestling three, four times a week. Um, now it's mainly like, you know, once or twice every other week, but it worked. You know, I, I was able to keep, uh, keep my cardio and keep in shape and keep my presence going. But he's like, no, every chance you get, dude, if you want mine, just go ahead and say it. Sure, not a problem. And from there, it started to grow, started to grow, started to grow. And so even now, it's just like, you know, we were kind of waiting to see what the was going to do. And they're like, don't worry about that. I'll handle that. He goes, you just keep doing what you're doing. I'll handle all this. Very rarely do I allow someone else to kind of like take the reins for something because I'm very self-sufficient. I'm very independent in terms of like, you know, my career and everything. But it was just the, the, the amount of, pride and the amount of determination and the amount of just pure it's just piss and vinegar that like Shane had in his eyes and hearing his voice I was like okay all right man you're you're leading the ship I'll follow you you just tell me what you need to do and I'll get it done and so um that was cool that was a really good that was a real surreal moment just because I never thought that I would be a part of something that big and now to be, you know, officially, unofficially <laughs> um, on that on that level with them, it, it's a it's a little bit of validation that I've been after for a very very long time. Yeah. So so what I love about uh, Shane and Shane Taylor Promotions is, you know, it would be easy for his faction or what group, whatever you want to call it, to kind of be stereotyped, uh, right? Mm-hmm. It's sort of. Well, you know, it's it's nation of domination, or it's just, just you know militant thing, or angry black men, whatever you want to call it. Right. Uh, but it's so much more than that because Shane makes it clear that yes, he wants to represent his culture and his community in a positive light, and 
He wants to have people who look like him, who are watching to be inspired by the things that he and Shane Taylor Promotions are doing. But that he's just because he's pro those things, he's not anti anything or anyone. And that people of all colors, all creeds are welcomed as fans of Shane Taylor Promotions. And that's, I mean, it sounds just so basic, right? But that's a nuance that, that really wasn't there before in 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 a right. group such as this in pro wrestling. In a group, and and the and the way he put it was so eloquent. He goes, "We are for." He said, "We may not be for everybody, but we are for everybody." Right. And I was like, "That's all you need to say." Yep. It encompasses everything. That is absolutely like we may not be for you, but we are still for you. You know, and and when, once he kind of brought that to me, I was like, ah, "I can still subscribe to that." So hard, I can subscribe to that. And um, but it's true. It's true. You know, it's like we are we are who we are, and we are for everybody, regardless if you're for us or not. Yeah, I tell you what, that uh, prom- that I mean, I've been impressed with Shane's promos for for a long time now. But the promotional video that he did, which you were a part of, SOS mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Ron Hunt, Shane against the Machine. Um, and if people want to seek it out on YouTube, it's awesome. But you know not safe for work <laughs> just no it's not so no, it's, it's not. explicit sure the kids are cool some explicit language but mm-hmm. man his um i just the way it was shot and the imagery and just shane's words and his delivery i mean that's just some of the best stuff out there you know and I, that's just that's my opinion but uh you know it's just it's just incredible shane's doing incredible work yes yes and and he's going to go with it as far as it'll take and I, and I, like I said, I'm just happy just to be along, along for the ride with it. And I'm like, man, this this has every opportunity to get absolutely huge. And I'm so happy. For yeah. And what I love about it, too, is, and if Shane's listening to this, man, he's really going to, he's going to think I'm just blowing smoke up his ass. But <laughs> Shane Taylor, but he knows, he knows how I feel about, about what he's doing. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's all like, so much of it is. Look, Ring of Honor has given him a platform and an opportunity, but man, he's just taken that opportunity and and so run, you know, just run so far with it. And and this is all his creation, you know. That's what I love about it is Shane Taylor Promotions came out of the mind of Shane Taylor, and he envisioned it, and ROH gave him the platform, and he created it. And man, it's just I can't say enough good stuff about it. Yeah. All right, well, that is the uh, Shane Taylor appreciation segment right there. <laughs> uh, but no, man, it's, it's certainly well-deserved. And it's so cool that you're a part of it, man. I can't wait to yeah. see once, uh, you know, once you actually sort of, uh, you know, come out of the shadows and, and uh, you know, are standing alongside uh, Shane and, and uh, SOS on TV. Uh, but we're right. going to take our final break. And then when we come back, we're going to play 10 Questions with O'Shea Experience the show that's splitting critics and fans. ROH TV. The reviews are in. It's completely different than anything in pro wrestling. I enjoyed every minute of this show. ROH TV delivers. Valiant Saint Raves. Take my money. This was awesome. Join the ROH stars for the hashtag WatchROH Watch Party every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. How do I watch ROH TV? Start by visiting ROHWrestling.com and using our zip code lookup tool to find your local listings. We aren't in your area? Don't worry. You can catch us on digital channels such as Stadium and Stir City as well as Fight.tv. 
ROH TV also airs every Monday night at 7 p.m. Eastern on Best on the Planet, our newly launched 24-7 streaming channel, which is available on Stir and Plex. The newest episode of ROH TV is always free on ROHWrestling.com and the Ring of Honor app. Ring of Honor has never been easier to watch. All right, we are back on the ROH Strong podcast. It's been a uh, fascinating conversation, as I knew it would be, with the big bad kaiju, uh, O'Shea Edwards. But now it's time to uh, play a little game that we like to call 10 Questions. O'Shea, are you ready? Yes, I am. And it is now time for 10 Questions with Kevin. All right, question number one. What's something on your bucket list? Skydive. Have oh. you talked to PJ Black? You might want to <laughs> hook you up. I, yeah, I, I, I want to go skydive. A lot of people tell me, like, hey, man, you look too big to go skydive. I'm like, there's a weight limit to jump out of a plane? Yes. They're like, yeah, but like, yeah, there is. I'm like, oh. So a lot of people, oh, you can go one of those little sky places where you got that big fan. I'm like, no, not the same. I want you to jump out of a perfect air. Is there really a weight limit? I, I think the, the few times that I've checked, yes. Um, and that's I think I think your first few jumps you have to be with someone, oh. and it's, it doesn't. It, I'll say it doesn't help when I'm almost two. You know, almost big as two people. You're right. Yeah, I guess you can't. It's going to be tough doing one of those deals where you're like on the experienced uh, jumpers back. Right. Right. And I'm jumping. And I'm jumping by myself. <laughs> yeah. Right. All right, well, I guess hit hit PJ up. He might be able to set you up there. Okay, cool. All right, uh, question number two. What's a subject you'd like to know more about? Mm, foreign language. Um, I've been I've been trying to actively sit down and learn a foreign language for a long time. Um, probably Japanese. Japanese. Um, <laughs> uh, but I would love to actually, like, uh, take, like, to make classes in not so much like, you know, translator proficient, but enough to where I can have like a decent conversation with someone without sounding like a complete idiot. Um, so learning another language would be fun um, just because like, I'm a whole world traveler. Um, and I, I just want to be able to conversate with different people. Well, you know, I think our, our mutual friend, uh, world famous CB. Yes, uh, sir. Former, he speaks some Japanese, I believe. Yeah, I think he's actually certified. Uh, at least I know he took the test. He took like, yeah. several tests. Like, he's certified. So he's yeah, actually he's been a real good, um, a really good um, resource um, for me. And so he's got me on the right track. It's just like I said, when I'm I'm always like so busy Monday through Friday that by the time I actually sit down and go, like I learn something else, I'm probably fast. Right. All right. Question number three: What's something popular that you don't see the appeal of? Ooh, a TikTok. You know that, like, I I think that I asked that question. That might be the most popular answer of what's not popular, or yeah, something I don't, I don't, popular that you don't like, which is yeah. I, I don't, I don't, and I'm not, I'm not knocking it. Like I'm sure it, for a lot of people, it doesn't. It's great but for me. I'm just like, man, look, I'm already stretched thin enough as it is with Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I don't do that anymore. Yeah, and maybe that's just maybe that's, that's the old man in me. That's 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 that's. I think it is. I think it is a generational thing because you know my, yeah. my my kids love it, but uh, I just don't. I'm with you, man. I don't. I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah, it's, it's fine. You guys can enjoy. <laughs> All right. Question number four. This is kind of a deep one, right? If you could have a conversation with any celebrity or historical figure, living Ooh. or dead, who would it be? Ooh. 
Ooh, that is good. That is really good. Um, Malcolm X. Mm. Malcolm X. Um, and the only reason why I say that is because when I was in school, um, when I was in school in Georgia, oh boy, um, you learned history a different way. Um, you know, you got like this page and a half of, or a couple pages, whatever, of Martin Luther King, and rightfully so, and rightfully so. Um, and then maybe you got like a, two sentences, barely a paragraph about Malcolm X. Um, it wasn't until I left high school, it wasn't until I left college, so I started to learn more about how how they were, how the two of them were different, but how the how similar the two of them were. It's almost uncanny. It's almost like two sides of you know two different ends of the spectrum. Um, but there was there was a line there. There's a quote that he had that kind of stands true to me. Um, I think it was like 19, early 1960s. Um, the reporter goes, "Hey, do you feel as if uh, we've made progress for racial equality?" And I'm like, "No." He said it very matter of fact. And the guy looked at him. What do you mean? He goes, "You can't." put a knife in my back, pull it out, and then pull it out five inches, and then say we made progress. No, we haven't made progress. The bullet's still in my, I mean, the knife's on my back. Even if you pull the knife all the way out, we still haven't made progress because we have to let the wound heal first. And I, I remember hearing that and going, why have, why am I today years old and I'm just now hearing this for the first time? Yeah. It blew my mind um, because it, it was true. Um, but I would still like to just to talk to him, just to. I, I just always wanted to talk to him, because I just feel like man, I would love to have a conversation with that man, and just to see how his mind worked, and to understand where he was coming from, and, and where he was, where if he wasn't cut down, where he think he would be, like so stuff like that always just kind of like um, intrigues me. Yeah, yeah, it'd be fascinating for sure, and there's uh powerful words from him uh that quote that you brought up uh, yeah yeah 100%. all right question number five uh less serious question have you ever yeah. had a paranormal experience and if you haven't do you believe in its existence i've never had one um but do i believe in the existence yes and no i know it's kind of a comment but yes and no um I believe like you can feel something. I believe you can feel it. You know, I'm a, I'm a geek, so here we go. Like, you know, what's grief but love persevering type deal where as long as you keep that memory alive, they'll always be there in a sense. But does that mean like, you know, if I'm making a clay pot, Patrick Swayze pop up and like, you know, mold it with me? No, <laughs> it's like make it out of here. <laughs> you know, like, no, man, what's your problem, man? No. But, you know, <laughs> but at the same time, I do feel as if, like, those memories we have of people, um, you know, that's what keeps them, not so much alive, but that's what keeps them, you know, going. You know, um, have, have we affected people in such a manner, in a positive light, I should say, where you know, they'll always remember you long after you're gone. Um, that your legacy, because you've touched so many people, because you did what was supposed to be done by people, that 
you'll live on long after anybody else is gone too. Um, like I believe that, you know, if, if people you know, call it what it is, but it's like, no, I believe if, if, if that's the paranormal, that's fine. Like I get it. But, you know, but do I think like, you know, a, a ghost will float in the door? Like, man, I ain't freaking no ghost, man. Get out of here. <laughs> Well, yeah, man, that's a that's a pretty cool perspective on it. I haven't really thought of it in those terms. Uh, very profound, very profound. Eh, All right. not, not, not bad for 36 year old. <laughs> <laughs> All right, question number six. Do you have any hidden talents? Is there something you're good at that we don't know about? I could draw pretty well. Okay. I, used, I got I got sketchbooks out the out the wazoo. Like I I don't I don't make my own gear, but I design. Like every every piece of gear I wear, I've sat there and I've designed it from the color to to the cut to the, where stitches are, the stitch color, the font. Like so, I have a notebook full of just drawings. Um, I haven't really transferred that into like on a computer sense, just because I just I enjoy having a pencil in my hand. Um, you know, because it's regular. Like I, I enjoy that type of stuff. I like that you're old school with it. Still got the pencil. It's awesome. Yeah, mechan- mechanical pencil, man. That 0.5 millimeter lead, man, goes a long way. Yeah, absolutely. All right, I think what we're what we're learning about uh, you and and me as well on this podcast is that we're old. I think that's yeah, uh, man. That's it, man. <laughs> that's yeah, it. Dude. That's, that's part of my. I'm accepted. That's the takeaway. <laughs> that's it, man. <laughs> I believe I, I'm older than you. I would love to be 36, but we'll, we won't. Get into, we won't get into that. Okay. Question number seven. Are you a dog person, a cat person, both or neither? I, I'm a 70-30 dog person. Um, I have a, he's soon to be seven, so he's my little old man. Um, a, I have a boxer bulldog at home. Um, his name is Tank. Um, because when he comes at you, he's coming at you like a tank. Like he's yeah. going to come get you. I'm um, just come barreling in. Um, I'm I'm a cat person, but like I have to have like a personal attachment to cat. You know, like it's like one of those where, like I'm not so much a cat person, but that cat over there, I'm that cat person. Like, I like yeah. that cat. You know, but like dogs, yeah, man. Like you want to you want to watch me turn to an eight year old? Man, put a dog over. Oh man, I, I lose my mind. I'm like yo, it's a puppy. Every dog's a puppy to me, <laughs> and they love it. So I'm like cool. Like I don't I don't if a dog doesn't like you, I don't trust you. And I don't trust people who don't like dogs. <laughs> oh, same, same here. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree. Yeah. More. And I'm with you on the cat thing too. I'm not a cat person, but yes, throughout my lifetime, I've never owned one, never want to. Mm-hmm. But yes, every once in a while, you'll come across a cat who um, isn't like all the other cats. Like he's a little friendlier. He cares about you. Right. Yeah. He's right. Like he's like, dog, right. 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 You're like, you know what, fat cats do. I like you. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, we can't we can't have a, a broad brush and say we don't like all cats. But I'll tell you, right? No, I don't like most of them. I don't like most. Of them. Yeah, but some of them I'm like, eh, whatever. But if you come up to me and give me a headbutt, I'm like, hey, what's up, man? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. All right, question number eight: Who would play you in a movie about your life? Ooh, that's good. Oof. Hey, Winston Duke. Winston Duke. Um, those who don't know, he was um, in Baku in Black Panther, um, and he also played in um, Us, the um, Jordan Peele movie. But William Duke, man, yeah, I, I see we've done like, That's it. If you guys want to play me? Okay, so I didn't see. 
I'm not really into the superhero movie, so I didn't see right. Black Panther, but I have seen Us. So who was right. in that movie? Uh, William Duke was the dad. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah, he was he was the he was the dad. Um, I think on Netflix, he was in that movie with um, uh, Mark Wahlberg, some Spencer, Spencer Confidential, something like that. He was yeah, he was in that one too. But yeah, Winston Duke, man, that's 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 my guy. All right, question number nine: What's the last show that you binge watched or are currently binge watching? If you even have Scrubs. time to binge watch shows, Scrubs, Scrubs. I used to love Scrubs. I, I used to love Scrubs growing up. Um, I think to me, Scrubs is what got me into the Office. Like I love the Office, but it's Scrubs that really got me into that workplace type comedy, um, and it was just funny to me. Um, <laughs> and a lot of my mannerisms I see come from that show. I get like, oh, that's what this came from. I get it. Um, and because I'm on Hulu now, they have all of them for free. So I, I when I'm at work. Like, I have a tablet, and I, I have it on. So I cut it on. I just let it play for, like, you know, eight hours of that job. And so what happens is I get to relive all those episodes again. I may not be watching them, but I can hear them, and I'm kind of, like, going along with the story as a work. But as of right now, Scrubs is the show that I'm Well, I got to admit, you threw me with that one. That that wasn't really what <laughs> I wasn't expecting Scrubs. But, yeah, man. All right. As of, as of right now, as of right now, because before Scrubs, I was watching um, Last Chance You on Netflix. That really had me sucked in. Yeah. Okay. We've come to question number 10, the final question. What's the best advice that you've been given about pro wrestling, and who gave it to you? Um, man, Robert Giffen gave it to me. Um, you are the sum of the people you associate yourself. I didn't, I didn't understand it until I started watching everything, and then I got it. Um, you know, the whole saying of, hey, uh, everyone who's in your corner is not on your team, and everyone on your team is not in your corner. Like, it's true. Like, you are the, you are the sum of the company that you keep. So if, you're, if you keep the company with a bunch of knuckleheads, guess what everybody's going to think you are? Giant knucklehead. Because why, why would a knucklehead, like, why would a, someone who's not, not, not a knucklehead hang out with a knucklehead? That's just stupid. Um, so I take that to I take that to heart. Like so, I have a, like my own little circle of people I, I you know I associate with, and I audit that circle all the time. Like that that circle is continuously being audited. That circle is continuously always being um, you know reevaluated and all that good stuff. And sometimes you make a cut, sometimes you don't. Um, because there's there's places I'm trying to be, there's places I'm trying to go, and I want to make sure that the people I associate with share that same um that same mind of hey man we're all trying to succeed here you know you know um if you're driving a mercedes van that everyone else is driving a ferrari you're hanging out with the ferrari drivers because you wouldn't know what it takes to get a ferrari well those were wise words from uh from robert gibson i gotta ask you one, yeah. <laughs> one quick follow-up though i guess question 10a since you mentioned it was robert gibson when you were training under under uh, him, were you did you call him Robert, Mr. Gibson, or Hoot? It was always Robert. <laughs> it was always Robert. <laughs> Hoot, I I didn't. Ha- I'm not gonna lie. Didn't have the stones. Didn't have the stones to call him Hoot, man. Um, he called me Peanut, and I was like, "That's man, you can call me whatever you want to, man. That's fine." <laughs> so like, it was always, "Hey, Robert, what's going on, Peanut?" And I think the day that I moved, the day he found out that I was leaving, 
he uh, pulled me aside and goes, hey, man, do me a favor. I said, what's up? He goes, do me, don't embarrass me, okay? He goes, I don't need anybody's help to embarrass me. And I'm like, I'll try my best. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Anytime anybody tells me anything that Robert Gibson said, I think it's cool because, you know, back in the day, he never talked. Like, it, no. you know, Ricky Morton did all the talking, and then Robert would be like, yeah, that's right, just what the brother said. That's right. That's right, man. King of the hot tag, man. <laughs> that's right, king of the hot tag. Absolutely. All right, well, man, I've loved this conversation, uh, O'Shea, and I just, man, I'm, I'm so thankful to you for uh, giving me so much of your time. Uh, I want to say again, I think your journey to this point has been fascinating. And uh, I have no doubt that this is uh, just the beginning for you. Uh, we'll see you at some point, I'm sure, again. We'll see you with Shane Taylor Promotions. Obviously, we're going to see you next week on uh, mm -hmm. ROH Week by Week. That's uh, Tuesday, March 30th. It's O'Shea versus Sledge, round two. So, man, I got, I'd say just all, all the best of uh, luck to you, man, going forward. Thanks, man. I appreciate you so much, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And I want to thank everybody out there for listening and remind you that a new episode of the ROH Strong Podcast drops every Monday morning on ROHWrestling.com and most podcast platforms. Keep it locked on to ROHWrestling.com and ROH's social media channels. That's at Ring of Honor on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook.com slash Ring of Honor for news regarding upcoming episodes. Also, for the latest ROH news and views, you can read my column, X-Files every Friday on ROHWrestling.com. Until next time, this is Kevin X saying stay safe and let's all be ROH strong. <laughs>